March Madness is now March Sadness. Michigan State's roller coaster season came to an end on Sunday at the hands of Coach K and Duke. And while it was an elite game that captured the eyes of America, and one that the Spartans led by five with four minutes to go, it's no doubt a tough way for the seventh-seeded Spartans to go out in 2022. We will discuss the latest Izzo versus K meeting and the Spartans' thrilling win over Davidson before discussing some big-picture takeaways from the season on episode 73 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Lawson, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, Izzo 22nd, 2022. Kyle, you're back from the Carolinas. Tell me now, is I've never been to Greenville. Uh, are things popping down there? or what? Is it, is it a little diamond in the rough in Greenville, or is it just kind of meh? I, I thought so. Yeah, I was looking for retirement homes, actually, because it was uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're into running and biking like I am, it was great. Great little downtown, very walkable. Um, it's probably ungodly hot, you know, in the summer um, in the heat of summer. Matt's nodding. I don't think he's a fan of the heat. Um, but, you know, you're close to Atlanta, close to Charleston. I did think it was a little diamond in the rough. And it, it's like if you ever go to an NCAA tournament, like to me, it's more fun when you're in kind of the smaller to mid-sized cities because it's it's such a huge deal there, you know, like in in Chicago or sometimes, well, Chicago, maybe they care a little bit more. But when you're in New York, people don't really notice or um, on the West Coast, sometimes people don't really notice. But like it's a big deal when you're in a town like that. And that, that makes it a lot more fun. Awesome. Matt Wenzel's also here. Thanks for filling in uh, on the hoops talk last week, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, you got spring football coming up or I guess started. So you've been kind of dabbling there, but uh, uh, you've been enjoying the hoops this March. Yeah. Like I, I don't know that I've ever been to Greenville. Uh, if I did, it was driving through on the way to Charleston. Um, but uh, I do like uh, South Carolina, a lot of good food down there. So you could do, a, you could do a lot worse uh, for an NCAA tournament. Um what were you there for four or five days, whatever it was. So five days. Yeah. 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 You could do a lot worse than that. Isn't that where is East Carolina in Greenville? Furman's in Greenville. Huh? I thought, I thought it was East Carolina was there. Yeah. Clemson's right down the road. That's what's nearby. Um, Furman. Hey, Furman. They broke my heart in the SoCon tournament this year, Kyle. Uh, I don't (laughs) know if you saw Uh, East Carolina is in Greenville, the pirates. So that is, it is. Uh, Yeah. But anyways, we're not here to talk about East Carolina. We're here to talk about Michigan State. Um, Obviously, Kyle, you were there. Me and Matt were watching on TV. Actually, everyone was watching on TV on Sunday. uh, Michigan State gets taken out uh, by Duke 85-76, although the game pretty much was way closer than that. This comes on the heels of a 74-73 thrilling win over a very game Davidson team on Friday night. So the Spartan season is over, Kyle, at 23 and 13 uh the streak is extended into uh the march streak second longest active streak is still alive as michigan state wins a game and then goes down on sunday um so i guess the way we can do this is we can kind of just talk about the weekend uh you know maybe touch on the davidson game and obviously focusing on the duke game um and sort of talk about the games and then we'll sort of get into some more big picture takeaways from the season after that but um what did you make of the spartans weekend down in greenville you know, I, th- I thought it was, um, you know, not, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, I, I thought they overall played pretty well. Uh, Davidson was a good team um, that, that really gave them a good fight. And I thought that they, they closed that game well. And Duke, it's like, you know, they did exactly what they wanted to against Duke. That, that's what Tom Hager said. Like, he, he was pretty honest, I thought, in saying that he thought if they could play with them and have them in a tight game in the last five minutes – 
he thought, I mean, you look at what they did late against North Carolina in that Coach K game at Cameron, the last one. You look at what they did in the ACC tournament final. You know, they were kind of thinking that that Duke team might fold if they really put the screws on them and put Adam in a pressure situation late. And Michigan State did its part. They got Duke in a pressure situation late, uh, down five with about five minutes to go. And Duke did the opposite of what they expected. They rallied, uh, played what I thought was an unbelievable last five minutes of basketball. Like, I know I know, Michigan State fans don't want to hear it, but, like, that was some of the best – that was one of the best clutch stretches of basketball I've ever seen a team play. And then, to me, the outcome was way more about Duke rising to the moment and playing it to its potential and having a really good close than Michigan State doing anything wrong. I mean, they, they didn't play great. They had a shot block. They had that Max Christie turnover late. They missed some shots. But, to me, Michigan State lost more because Duke – uh, rallied um, and, and kind of rose to the moment. Um, and I don't think there was anything to be ashamed of. Um, you know, obviously there was some frustration, but I didn't think there was any shame in in losing a game like that when they played that well the way that they did. The numbers back it up, Kyle. I mean, 50% from three, 41.5% from the field, uh, 91% from the free throw line, only seven turnovers. I mean, they get out rebounded, you know, 35, 31, but with Mark Williams, Paolo Bancaro, uh, guys like that down there. I mean, it, that's, that's, you know, pretty much a toss up there. So, I mean, <laughs> Michigan state did pretty much all they could do to win this game against Duke. Kyle. I mean, that you knew in the first half, you know, I think they were shooting what 70% from three or something like that. Yeah. That wasn't going to be sustainable in the second half. You knew they were going to have to try and find buckets uh, in different ways, whether it was Hogarth getting to the basket or Tyson Walker taking open shots that he has, uh, which <laughs> continues to be a bit of an issue, but um, you know, it, I was encouraged overall, but I mean, I've been on a lot of complaining. Uh, fans have done a lot of complaining this year about the seniors, uh, Marcus Brigham and Gabe Brown at, uh, towards the end of the year. And then Joey Hauser at the beginning of the year. Um, but Bingham with 16 and 10, three blocks, two steals. Uh, Gabe Brown has 18 points. One of his better performances in a while, just lights out from three playing with confidence. Um, they're not turning the ball over. Um, so, I mean, I was proud of the way the seniors went out. I really was. You know, they've been much maligned this year. If this is, in fact, their last game, I guess that hasn't been confirmed. But to see them, you know, sort of rise up and play the basketball that we know they're capable of and sort of do it in a Michigan State way on the big stage against Duke uh, was was really, I guess, maybe not encouraging because, you know, you don't really look at moral victories at Michigan State. But like it was nice to see them at least get their moment playing to their potential on the big stage in front of America, I guess, because it felt like that felt like Michigan State basketball, even though they lost. Right. And and there, there was so much lead up to this game and there was so much kind of ballyhoo about the last the last is okay matchup and a lot of talk about 2019 and like, like not to be Debbie Downer, but like there was kind of like, you know, this Michigan state team isn't like a lot of the other Michigan state teams in this um, rivalry. It, you know, it doesn't have Cassius Winston. It doesn't have Xavier Tillman. Um, you know, I, I wonder if um, it's a big matchup more because they're kind of the Michigan state program than this Michigan state team. Exactly. You know, and I didn't think they were going to go out there and totally lay an egg, but I, I did think they were pretty significantly overmatched. So it was kind of like, well, yeah, we're doing a lot of lead up to this, you know, time has over earned that, but you know, this team is not like the 2019 team or a lot of very good teams that have gone in and played Duke, but to their credit, this team um, played, I thought punched above its weight and, and made that, um, uh, it, it made a very anticipated matchup to me, live up to the billing. Um, there was two heavyweights going at it. Um, 
Uh, I thought a key stretch in the first half, they, they missed 11 straight shots and, and were taking bad shots. I mean, that was, that was their bad stretch of the game, but they rallied. Jaden Akins hit that step back late rainbow three pointer that went in. And then they made four straight after that. Gabe Brown was feeling it. And, um, you know, they got right back in the game and tied it. And, um, it, you know, they, they made a very anticipated game, you know, CBS, um, best primetime window. Um, they made that game very much live up to the billing, and that's a credit to them. Yeah, and it's it's tough going against Duke, man. I mean, it's they have – I mean, I, I don't know if this is a vintage Duke team either, Kyle. I mean, they have Paolo and Ben Carroll, yeah. um, and Mark Williams is, is a force on defense. But um, this isn't like, you know, that 2019 team they faced either with three lottery picks on it uh, from Duke's perspective, which is why I thought that Michigan State would have a chance to play in this game. You know, we've seen them – we saw Duke struggle with some ACC teams this year. Um, so I, I didn't think it was going to be like a route or some game where Michigan State had no chance. But it's just tough going against, you know, uh, superstars stars when 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 elite players make plays and you mentioned it at certain times this year duke's elite players didn't make plays in certain games but in this one whether it was jeremy roach with that tough three over hogard or paulo bancaro getting to the basket uh just tough plays being made over the all over the place by duke down the stretch and you got to give them credit it is frustrating you know everyone's gonna you know i hate blame the refs guy kyle you know i despise that I'm not really going to blame the refs for Michigan state losing here, but it is frustrating sometimes with how, uh, you know, Duke's players like Ben Caro or whoever, Trevor Keels or uh, Wendell Moore, like they basically just fly at the basket and throw the ball up and hope for a foul to be called. And it's, I th- it's almost like coach K knows he's going to get the whistle and he's like, just go to the basket, just go to the basket and you'll get a whistle because some of those were a little bit question questionable, but I guess you could call it on both sides. I don't know. Uh, officials in general have been a big talk of the tournament, um, which is not a good thing. I don't think that's what uh, caused the game to change here or change the outcome, but it, I think it played a factor. Some of those calls are just a little weak on my pen uh, on my for, for my money, but you know, then again, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna love that when uh, you're playing Duke. You feel like you're always getting the whistle going against you when you play Duke. Maybe that's just uh. Go, go talk to Illinois fans or TCU fans and see how, see how they're feeling right now. But um, <laughs> no, I, I there's an officiating thing. There was a point where Michigan State got I think three fouls in three minutes that got and Duke they put them the on the line and three seconds. Yeah. I should say yes, they, they put them into the bonus. That was big. But listen, Duke didn't miss a shot in the last um, in the last five minutes. They missed. They only missed two free throws. And you know, like I thought, Michigan State was defending well. Like, yeah, like maybe they charged at the at the basket and got some calls. But I thought they made some of the toughest finishes around the hoop that I've ever seen. Honestly, they made pro um, finishes. They made completely they pro finishes and stuff that's like if you're on the Michigan State, you just got to be like on the Michigan State bench. You be like, what what can you do? You know, when they're backwards and throwing it up behind their head and and sinking it in, it's like. that late stretch where they wouldn't miss like Michigan State was defending him well like you missed Keel you mentioned Keel he had a dude in his face and just you know lofted it up there and made it like it's it it was just one of those tip your cap games I thought Mm -hmm. um um and and that's really what it came down to I think that's what that why a lot of state fans are are you know not not totally devastated because it finally felt like this team actually played up to its potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you just get beat by a better team. I mean, I think Michigan state would have beat a lot of teams. On I agree. Sunday. Uh, 
you know, like you match them up with a lot of different teams, uh, you know, they, they would have won, I think. Um, you know, Duke was just that much better on that day, and that's why they have a Hall of Fame coach and they have NBA lottery picks. Uh, defensively, Kyle, I think that playing Davidson on Friday probably helped them uh, maintain focus because that's a team that has a lot of back cuts, a lot of motion, mm-hmm. a lot of movement. You have to be super disciplined playing against that Davidson team. Um, and I thought Michigan State defensively, that's the reason they won the game because they were able to, outside of, you know, uh, Brockovich going off in the second half in the post. Uh, I thought they did a great job on Davidson and that sort of prepared them for the challenge of Duke. We haven't talked a ton about the Davidson game, but another good performance I thought by Michigan state. I mean, and that was a, that was a big program when I thought uh, because you're going up against a mid major. A lot of people are picking them. You haven't had a vintage Michigan state season um, and to come up and get that win anyways, when seemingly everyone was picking against you, I thought was a big deal for the program and this bunch as they move into next year. Yeah, were they that picked against that team in that game? I, yeah. I, I, the okay. betting numbers were all against them. Okay. All against them. All the money was on Davidson. Uh, I mean, it was a, basically a pick them from a line standpoint, but uh, a lot of people were picking against Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, and that, I mean, they closed well. I mean, that was, um, you know, Davidson gave a rally. I mean, I thought Davidson played really well um, in that game, too. Right. I mean, Michigan State. I mean, I, I saw some pretty poor poor performances across uh, the NCAA tournament the first weekend. I thought Michigan State played two two teams who played very well um, for themselves on and their home turf too. On their on their home turf, yeah. Davidson had a pretty decent contingent there. Um, the, the second game, it didn't feel as lopsided because kind of as we expected, a lot of Auburn fans trickled in there towards the end and were just rooting for Michigan State. So um, Michigan State had its had its support in the building there. But uh, yeah, Davidson, to its credit, made its rally. Uh, but I thought Michigan State um, closed that game really well and um, to move on. And we can talk about some of the young guys. I mean, the the, the seniors, I thought, really um, finally kind of stepped up um, and, and did what Michigan State needed to do. But, you know, some younger guys, you know, I, I was pretty um, – encouraged by AJ Hogard overall uh, in the tournament, maybe hadn't have huge numbers, but I thought he's, he's really kind of starting to look like that point guard of the future. Um, and, um, you know, I guess you kind of hope that enough, enough younger guys got enough of a taste in, in this tournament that they're kind of ready to go on a deeper run next year. Cause I mean, I, I wrote this earlier last week and people were mad at me um, and whatever you can feel how you do, but this team now has been to one sweet 16 since 2015. So the 16, let me count 16, 17, 18, 19, 21, 22 last six tournaments. They've been out of the opening weekend once. And that was obviously that was 2019. Great run beat Duke go to the final four. Um, and there was but, no 20 tournament and there so. was no 20 tournament. So in the last six tournaments, um, five first round exits, which is, you know, it, they're making the tournament every year. Don't take that away from them, but they've had more trouble in the opening weekend um, during this stretch than any other under Tom Izzo. So they, they, to me, they need to, they need to, and, and Izzo will say it too. You got to break through and start making that second weekend. And, and I mean, this was more about this team. They were seventh seed, you know, they were, they were going to have a tough second game. You know, they need to have a better regular season, get a better seed, have a better draw to make it there. Um, but, but that this team kind of has to kind of build itself up to me again, to, to start being in position to get back to the final four. And we can talk more about Hogard and, and stuff like that in the big picture takeaways here in a sec. I want to toss to Matt real quick though. Do you, I mean, any thoughts from the weekend of Davidson? Duke yeah. games? I mean, nothing, you know, groundbreaking that you guys really haven't touched on. I just thought for a team that really didn't have an identity all season, other than some flaws that seemed to always show up. I thought, you know, they got about as much 
out of this team as they could for how inconsistent they were during the year. You know, like you, you mentioned the seniors, you know, with Joey Hauser scoring 27 against Davidson. I mean, raise your hand if you saw that one coming. Um, and then, you know, Sunday, I mean, you got that feeling early when Gabe Brown was going off and, and, and you know, but what Bingham had that swat early. And I think then that lead to one of the early threes by, uh, or I don't remember if that was a three by Brown or whatever, but I just thought they got, they got a lot out of them in a weekend, you know, and obviously they played Duke really tough. You know, like you guys talked about, um, I was really impressed. What was it? A five point lead there with about five minutes to go. Five point. Yeah. You're sitting there and you're like, wow, they might actually pull this off and send, and send coach K home, you know, and, and it almost seemed, you know, like a fitting way to end, you know, without the history between, between Izzo and him, but um, yeah, give, give Duke a lot of credit. I mean, they just, they, they didn't miss down the stretch. And in the end, I think when you miss 11 straight shots in the first half, um, even though they close that first half where they make seven straight at one point before a miss, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, don't know. I think a, a a run like that's maybe just a little bit too much to overcome when when you factor in the amount of NBA talent that's on the other team and you know just the clear talent gap there is between those pro- the two programs at this point in time with just the the way that Duke recruits and, and kind of where Michigan State's at right now. Coach K, you almost seems like surprised by the way his players responded. Uh, if you watch the post game interviews and stuff, he, I mean, you guys were in the press conference, but I, just on the court after the game and the CBS interview, he seemed almost like. I'm just really proud of the way my guys responded. Like he's seen them fold at times this year uh, down the stretch, as, as you pointed out, Kyle. And I think he was almost just like, wow, they, they really rose to the challenge against a really good battle tested veteran tough team. Um, and I think he was impressed by it. I mean, and, and you really do just, it really is just sort of a tip your hat situation. Um, if you're a Michigan state fan, as hard as that is to do to Duke, I know. <laughs> uh, but closing thought on Duke. Um, I, I kind of had my thoughts about this, Duke, this Coach K retirement tour going into it. After seeing the uh, the retirement tour slash circus uh, in person this weekend, man, it's a ridiculous thing to put those kids through, you know. Um, and I mean, and that's why I mean, you you mentioned like he seemed relieved by it or a little bit surprised because that this is a very very difficult situation to have these kids in for to me for no reason, um, you know, other than Coach K wanted to have his big, you know, six months of being center of the spotlight. So I. I remain not a fan of, of the retirement tour overall. I mean, I guess the guy's been there 42 years. He can go out the way he wants to, but um, uh, you know, we're the, the pregame, the, the, the day before interviews with Duke, uh, one of the comments stood out to me. They got asked, of course, about the last coach K coaches old thing. And Wendell Moore said something to the effect of, well, every game's been coach K's last something. So we're, you know, we're kind of used to this. And then he said, They're but you know, right. it's, it's our season two, which to me, that was kind of like the reminder, like it's our, like it's, they just been so overshadowed, you know? Um, and, and it, it should be about the players and it for everything. Coach K is a great coach. Obviously he deserves to be talked about, but it's, you know, those are some great players there that, you know, are kind of in the background. It feels like sometimes. Absolutely. Um, so I guess, I, I guess now we can sort of expand, you know, the conversation for, you know, the, the whole season as a whole and sort of looking toward the future, Kyle, um, you know, I, so I, I wrote down some sort of takeaways that I have, but we can maybe sort of bounce them off, Matt, and you can chime in here too. But I guess I'll just start, you know, with, with a big one and say that this, to- this team sort of was what we thought they were. I think they kind of reached their ceiling. I, I was saying all year that Sweet 16 was probably their ceiling. They almost got there, but even if they would have, they would have had to gone through, you know, Texas tech, 
uh, and Gonzaga. <laughs> so I, I don't think anyone thought this team had a final four run in them. It's just not Michigan state's most talented team. It's not Michigan state's toughest team. It's not their best rebounding team. Um, I, I do appreciate the way they came together and the boys really gave it their all here at the end of the season, but this just wasn't a vintage Michigan state team. And I didn't really think a deep run was in the cards. Um, so I, to me, they sort of reached their ceiling. I mean, maybe you disagree, Kyle. Do you do you think there was another level that this team could have gotten to this year? No, not really. Um, I mean, it, it, if they would have made a run, it would have been all about the draw, you know, um, which, which is what it is so often in the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm not sure that 2015 team was, was really much better. They just, to me, they got a good tournament draw that, you know, Virginia that year was still hadn't figured it out yet. And um had some upsets. They played and, Northern Iowa in the Sweet 16 or something like that. Was that, that no? Year? They they played they year? played Oklahoma and Louisville, which were both good teams, but they weren't you know they weren't Texas Tech and uh, Gonzaga over there. Um, but you know, and same with this team. Like if this team would have played that Auburn t- had that Auburn team as its two, I mean Auburn just didn't that's show up. Yeah, that's probably yeah. a win. And then if you're in um, if you're in one of these um, matchups, you know, like like Purdue, go look at Purdue's draw. You know, Michigan State's got Purdue's draw um, right now. Maybe they could. So I, yeah. So like, it, it, it's all about it's all about matchups. But yeah, I mean, this roster. I mean, credit to the seniors for the way they ended the career their um, seasons because I thought they had a good Big Ten tournament and CWA tournament, but they just. They didn't really raise their levels throughout the course of the year, um, like I think Michigan State hoped they would. Um, you know, Max Christie had his moments. I thought they maybe they put too much on him as a freshman, and he, um, you know, I didn't think he he had the good game against um, was it Wisconsin the game that he had a really good one in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, um, he kind of had one good game down the stretch, but I, I thought he struggled a lot against Duke um, and. Um, you know, just really kind of didn't take that next step. I think he needs to come back at 10 pounds and could be a dude next year. But, um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, were streaky, um, you know, had their moments, um, you know, Malik Hall looked like he was going to break out for a little while. And then he kind of was kind of quiet down the stretch too. I think he was pretty hurt a lot more than he was letting on. Um, uh, just watching him. I, I think he was in some pain down the stretch, but yeah, they, um, to me, it was, it was just about the seniors struggling for a lot of the year um having a good ending but just but just not really being able to raise their games enough to um to do what michigan state usually does do you have a a takeaway or some a talking point that you want to touch on i mean no i'm just be anything specific players i'm really i'm really curious to see what they could do i mean the the hoger walker playing together the potential that could have I, I i thought like like we've talked about earlier like we saw some really good stuff out of aj at the, near the end of the year obviously you know you saw what we saw from walker you know with the the i don't think the season began how you, you he would have wanted you know early on but i think you saw some toughness from him down the stretch obviously some big shot making ability but i don't know what do you guys think about the two the potential of those two being on the court together more as like yeah. maybe like a fixture it was strange that like they, it, it almost like they became like Izzo's closers almost like it's like down the stretch here. He, he didn't really, wasn't really riding the two point card lineup a lot, except down the stretch where it was almost like, we're going to have these two ball handlers. We're going to put pressure on the defense. One of them's a shooter. Uh, one of them's more of a slasher and a driver. Um, and I thought it worked well. So I would like to see more of it uh, together. And AJ Hogarth in general is a takeaway for me, Kyle, you sort of mentioned it earlier, but that play at the end of the Duke game, when the shot clock was coming down and he sort of weaseled his way to the basket, mm-hmm. very Cassius Winston, like 
Um, you know, obviously he can't shoot like Cassius and the shot is going to need to get better. But um, I, w- I would I would be interested to see more two point guard. I think that puts some defensively in some issues at times, <clears throat> excuse me, against bigger teams. But um, to me, Hogard needs to be the leader of this team next year, Kyle. And that's kind of more of my takeaway is to see Hogard's development. Uh, he's just not not just because of his play has improved and he's turning it over less and he's making better decisions. But he just has that bulldog tough mentality that Michigan State State's best guards have had. And he just sort of embodies what the program's about. And I think he's starting to get it more and more and starting to feel more and more confident as a leader on this team. I would be surprised if he's not a captain next year as a junior. Yeah, uh, he he might be my biggest revelation of this team. Because remember, remember early in the offseason when you're talking about Tyson Walker coming in and the coaching staff kept saying, you know what? Hogarth's been good. Hogarth's going to be in the mix. And everyone kind of thought that they were just pumping his tires or help making sure he didn't transfer or something like that. Well, um, and, and when it came to be clear that he was going to play significant minutes, people were mad, you know, um, and thought that that was just, is going to keep, you know, um, kind of um, favoring a returning guy, but um, it all turned out to be true. He was really good. He had a good off season, did what he needed to do. Um, and I agree, like he should be the main point guard next year, uh, for a couple reasons. I mean, a, I think he does, um, he's got the best, you know, point guard skills, um, vision passing. Um, I, I do see the leadership, um, to me, he's got to, he's got to cut out that, um, that look he gives after like a turnover or something bad happens where he does the, um, he does the, what the heck look to, um, to teammates, you know, he's got to cut that out. So in that body language, but um, I do see him, I do see him getting into guys and, and showing future leadership and, and players talk about that down the stretch too. Like, like he's starting to show that. So um, my model for next year is like, he's got to be like a, you know, close to 30 point per game or 30 minute per game, not point 30 minute per game guy. Cause you got, so you got Trey Holloman coming in next year as a freshman. Like yeah. if, if he's what they hope think he's going to be like, he's, he should be ready for backup point guard role. Um, and then that can slide Tyson Walker off ball. And cause you need him shooting more and you need to utilize, mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't do it quite as good in a, in a larger sample size, but they need to be utilizing his three-point shot more. Um, maybe you're a little small in the backcourt, court, but AJ Hogard's got size. Like, he can guard bigger dudes, you know. He's down there holding his own against Jaden Ivey and, and some other guys. So I think he can guard bigger. Um, you get Tyson Walker out there, um, and then, you know, Max Christie comes back. That's going to be a really good perimeter. The, the, there's some definitely some question marks in the front court, but you got those three, plus Jaden Akins, who I think is ready for a bigger role. Um I, I feel pretty good about where they stand on the perimeter next year. Yeah. I love the idea of moving uh, Tyson more of the two, and then you can have him and Aikens sort of work in there and maybe Christie's more of a three. And uh, I love that idea because I mean, if Holloman can play, that's, that's the big thing with freshmen coming right. into Michigan state system. Uh, you know, there's, that's, that's a big ask. And we saw Hogard when pressed into duty last year as a true freshman, uh, you know, he wasn't ready. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Holloman, you know, at least from a body standpoint, seems like he's a little more ready for big minutes. Well, that, that was the uh, issue with Hogarth. His body wasn't ready and how right, Holloman right. should be. Yeah. So, did, I mean, did, that, did, AJ, did AJ not play football like Trey? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe I don't I don't believe he did. And, and, and keep in mind, I mean, he came in COVID year, too. 
Um, and basically yeah. didn't, get, get, didn't get to learn the point guard stuff. So there were, you know, you, you see what he did as a fr- sophomore. And to me, it, it, it kind of made clear all the issues that he had as a freshman. So if, if Holloman comes in, has a good body, has a good summer, I, I, I think there's reason to believe. I don't think backup, backup point guard is too big of a role for him as a freshman. Two more things that I wanted to touch on, at least from the basketball side. Portal, Kyle. Uh, it's already been talk, already been chatter, reports out there the Michigan State sniffing around. You would think center and perhaps a wing, uh, depend, assuming that these three seniors don't come back, which still isn't official, but it sort of seems like they aren't coming back the way they talk, but I guess things can change. Um, so I, it seems like Michigan State maybe will be at least sniffing around in the portal. Yeah, yeah I mean – Look! Look at their front court. Who they got coming back? Assuming those guys leave, which agreed, nobody's saying anything definitive. The way they talk makes it sound like they're gone. Um, you got Malik Hall before. Really, nobody else um, is a true four. Like maybe Christie slides down there. Maybe one of your bigs slides over. Although none of those guys seem like a, a really good candidate to do that. Um, and and then at the center, uh, you know, Julius Marble um, comes back. Fair amount of experience. But past that, you're at Mahdi, who, um, you know, he's given all the effort, you know, by all means, but just hasn't developed the way that they hoped he that would. That could be a takeaway, um, honestly. What, what's going on with Mahdi? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, I was wondering if you need a center and a power forward, honestly. Um, but at least one of them, uh, or maybe a guy that can play both, um, kind of slide. That um, that West Virginia guy that we're looking at, I forget his name. Sounds like he might be able to. Jalen Bridges. Yeah, maybe do a little bit of both. Um, somebody like that um, could be ideal, but they definitely need at least one more body, um, one more body in there. You got Jackson Kohler coming in as a freshman. He's the other um, incoming player. I I think he's got good upside. I don't see him he. Um, he's a guy that I think is going to need to add some weight and some strength. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on a big role for him as a freshman, uh, maybe a little bit more down the road for him. And then the last one I wrote down and maybe you disagree. Um, but to me, it seems like my takeaway from this season is that it, even though it was tough and a lot of up and down and this team clearly frustrated Izzo, I think he appreciated their work ethic and the way that they kept grinding um, to a certain extent. And I think this season after, after a couple COVID years and a year with no fans uh, to me, it seems like it sort of rejuvenated Izzo in, in some ways uh, maybe sort of liked the, the craft again. And to me, it seems like he's going to stick around for a while. Kyle, you felt differently than me about this for a while, but to me, it seems like Izzo still has a lot left in the tank. Do you agree with that takeaway or? I'm not totally convinced. I mean, he gave one answer um, over the weekend um, where he said, like, I'm going to be around for a while. It was a different tone and different words than he's typically used. Um, I guess I still wonder. I mean, you're right. He did. He did appreciate the players on this team. There were a bunch of there were a bunch of good guys. There were a bunch of hard workers. Um, he was pretty clear that uh, he didn't appreciate the lack of leadership. Um, on the team, like he really needed someone to kind of get after guys and, um, and be kind of a coach on the floor. Um, and they didn't have that, you know, whether it's, you know, Gabe Brown needed to do more of that or Malik Hall needed to do more of that. Um, that was kind of the frustration. So, you know, you come back, if AJ Hogwarts ready to have that role next year, um, I think that solves it. But yeah, I mean, he's not going anywhere after this year. Um, and I think, I think they feel good about this kind of young nucleus. Um, and, um, I, uh, I, I think they're they're set up to be better next year than they were this year. Um, and I'm not sure. I, I guess we felt pretty good about uh, this roster coming in, into into this year. Um, but 
especially if you add a big, I, I, I do think it's going to be top 25 and, um, and, and could be, um, could be markedly better next year. Especially if, if a lot of these upperclassmen in the big 10 actually do leave or go to the NBA. I mean, there could be a lot of attrition in the big 10. Uh, if, if some of these, I mean, we'll see what happens. Well, the, uh, and the other, the other with- thing too, is like, you need somebody to be your guy. Um, and we talked about Hogard, like you need Max Christie to add 10 pounds, um, come back stronger, um, come back more aggressive. Um, that's the other key to me next year. Like can Max Christie all three really freshmen become, need to take a step. I all think. three freshmen, but I'm, I'm putting more on Christie because he's the best guy. Um, and he could be a 15 point, a guy point per game guy next year. Um, and, and, and they need that because they needed a leader and they needed a go-to guy. And I think Colgar could be a leader and a good point guard, but I think you need Max Christie to also be your go-to score next year. All right. Any other big picture takeaways or should we just do a quick, uh, football corner real quick or should we just move on what do you guys think should we do football or should we just cut it i can i can be a quick football update since spring practice is underway but uh, we, we recorded right. last week uh, right after uh, mel talked on monday uh the following day uh, we got players so you know run it down real quickly uh peyton thorn um you know basically you know he's the guy and he basically said you know the there isn't a competition but there is you know basically and straps if you play like garbage you're gonna get replaced so um, but it is his job clearly. Um, and he said, he even acknowledged that, you know, being more in, in an established role makes it easier to mentor guys, um, which he's going to have to do because no other quarterback on the roster has taken a snap in college. Uh, Jaden Reed, uh, first time he's talked about the decision to come back and basically, so it was a lot of factors. Uh, one deep wide receiver class, uh, two, he wanted to be part of more team success. Um, three, uh, playing another year with Thorne and four, uh, he believes he's getting better every year and, and hasn't even scratched the surface of his potential. So uh, also uh, he will still be returning punts and kicks in case anybody is worried about that. Uh, at least that's what he said. Uh, David Henderson on coming back basically said he went, you know, everybody knew he went into last year saying this was going to be his last year, or at least as his plan. Um, he's back to take the COVID year said, you know, he went into last season thinking he's one of the best in the country, but uh, he's got to put it on tape every week. And if the NFL doesn't believe he's one of the best, then it just doesn't matter. So he knows he needs to get a little bit better. Uh, plans on playing both safety spots this fall. Uh, Darius Snow, uh, when we saw the little bit of practice that we were allowed to watch, he was working in indie periods with the linebackers and said that that is at Mel Tucker's request. So he is now up to learning. He's learning the Mike and the Will spot. So that gives him five positions of experience. So both linebacker, both safeties, nickelback. Um, Please, his versatility is going to be a key. So it'll be interesting to see what they do um, as far as just getting the best guys in the field. I think a lot of it's going to obviously be matchup based, um, you know, but he has, you know, in effect, talked. he talked about, you know, basically depending on what we were doing, uh, you know, he was basically playing like an outside linebacker sometimes, sometimes like a slot corner. Uh, let's see where else. Um, well, we had, there was pro day. Um, so there were like 15 Michigan state guys who, who were part of it. That counts. Luke Campbell, who didn't participate in anything else other than the bench press, give him credit. He he did the bench press to raise money for um, pediatric um, brain cancer research um, in honor of a, of a young boy who, who lost his life that he had befriended. Um, nothing really too groundbreaking from Pro Day. I mean, Jalen Naylor talked for the first time to us about, you know, declaring and basically said he he believes in himself. And, you know, obviously injuries played a factor in his decision to leave for the NFL you know, four years in Michigan State, he was healthy for one of them. Um, 
Yeah, that's, I mean, same, you know, Connor Hayward, some of the same stuff, you know, the H back tight end or fullback, you know, the, the kind of the interesting way teams view him. He worked out at both as a running back and as a tight end during pro day, during the on-field drills. And yeah, I think that's, that's mostly it. Kenneth Walker still fast. Oh yeah. And Kenneth Walker, I should say it is not Kenny. Um, he was, uh, he was listed as Kenny for all the stuff at the, at the combine and that's still, he's listed on NFL.com. So I asked him about that and he, uh, he shot that down real quickly. He doesn't know where that came from, but he, uh, it is definitely Kenneth and, and not Kenny. He seemed a little irritated by that, even though he laughed. Best case scenario for Connor Hayward. I'm thinking like Kyle Ustek for the, for the 49ers. Yeah, I that mean, would be it's a pretty, pretty good career for him. Yeah, I mean, it just, I, I think he's such a unique player. I mean, you know, you're talking about a five foot 11 tight end, potentially, if that's H back, if that's how you want to look at it. He's just, I mean, he's a football player. I don't know, like, it's tough. He, he needs the right fit. And I think if he gets the right fit, you know, he, he can be successful. He just needs Patriots, you know, baby. <laughs> yeah we'll see i will figure it out uh steelers he can go play with his brother you know sure sure I, I just want him under a good coaching staff with experience that knows how to use unique players so yeah well i uh, mean that's what michigan state did in his last year so all right cool well i think that's going to do it for today uh we'll obviously focus more on football as spring practice continues to get going and we approach the spring game um because basketball season's in the rear view now kyle you uh got a big vacation plan golf plans uh weather's warming up for you so. uh, many golf plans yes <laughs> awesome well good job this season uh i know it was uh an interesting one i'd say would, would you say it was one of the more interesting seasons uh since you've been on the beat or yeah. Um, I mean, I, I never, I've never, I don't think there's been a time as a team that's had the February like they had. Um, I know it wasn't a good and interesting for Michigan state fans, but uh, it was interesting. You can say that. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Spartan confidential podcast. Uh, we appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, if you could like rate and review the podcast, appreciate it. Check out our work at mlive.com slash Spartans. And you know where to find us. If you got questions or comments here, as we head to the off season for basketball, and uh, spring football gets closer. So uh, looking forward to all of that as the weather gets warmer. But appreciate everyone for listening. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green.